Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. Okay, before we get into today's episode, I want to get some feedback from you, the listener. We're looking at ways that we can take the podcast in new directions, new guests that we want to have on the show, new ideas we want to share with you. So we have a lot of threads going for this at Expat Money Forum, our private Facebook group. If you go to expatmoneyforum.com, you can join the conversation. I want to hear feedback from you guys. What topics have we not covered that you want to hear more of? Do you want to hear more stories from successful expats who have moved offshore? Do you want to hear more business-related stuff, more finance-related stuff? Are you more interested in immigration and visas and passports? Is it the investments or real estate? I want to know what you are interested in. This show is not about me. It is about you guys. It is about all of my amazing listeners and trying to help inspire you and get you the best up-to-date knowledge every single Wednesday when I publish this show. So join the conversation at Expat Money Forum. Let me know what you think, what you want to hear more about, how I can best serve you. It's really important to me to make this show the absolute best in our space. And I think we're off to a really good start. Podcast has been going for over four years now, which is just hard to believe. It seems like just yesterday I started it, and the feedback has been amazing. But there's always room to improve. There's always things we can do better. So share your knowledge, share your expertise, share what you want to hear, share your wants, your desires, your needs, your goals, everything with us at Expat Money Forum. I really appreciate it, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we have a really special entrepreneur on the line with us. He's from Killarney, Ireland, and he's a blogger and a vlogger. He spent time living in Australia and traveling to Europe. He runs the popular Facebook group, Financial Freedom Forever, and has a huge social media following. Please welcome Daniel Maxweeney. Daniel, how are you? I'm not too bad. Thanks, Mikael, for having me here. My pleasure, my pleasure. I'm really excited to get you on the line. I've been following your progress on social media for several months now, and you're quite dedicated to the group. You really put out a lot of value. Thank you. Just uh, a lot of work and a lot of effort just trying to share what I have learned over my couple of years entrepreneuring and just trying to help people where I can because I know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and I know how hard it is to actually figure out what to do next. So it's just providing people with the steps to take so they can achieve success. 
Absolutely. makes perfect sense. Community is such a a massive part of being an entrepreneur. And I think that's why I have so much love for it is because really you do find some fantastic people out there that really remember what it was like to be Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of their journey and, and often give a helping hand. So that's good. So before I get into your story, my very first question is I was doing my research on you and I went to your private Facebook page. What is with the free socks? (laughs) I recently just started with Shopify. I haven't used Shopify before. I've actually once created a website called OriginalOnesies.com. I was actually selling onesies to people in Ireland. And it was actually going pretty well, but I actually had to stop that business because of the company I was dealing with that was providing me with the onesies because they went bankrupt. And at the time, I was doing other stuff, so I got really busy. So I actually just let it shut down. So I was going to come back to it, and I recently have come back to it. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to market free socks so people can get them by just paying shipping and they can come to my website, originalonesies.com, because so, I've just relaunched this two weeks ago. It's brilliant. I, I saw it. I followed the links and stuff. And I, like, I've seen lots of the free plus shipping book offers, which I think are always a lot of fun. But I thought this was mm-hmm. a really creative way to do it. So for our listeners, if you want to see what we're talking about, and, and I'll definitely put the links in the show notes with Daniel's permission to link to his website so you can actually see them. They're adorable. They're so funny. It's not like what you would think of in like a normal pair of business socks or something. These are really unique. So I think it's a, it's a creative way. Good work, Daniel. Oh, thanks. Okay, so I want to hear a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Just give us a little bit of a briefing on your history and how you decided you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know the way, Michael, that most entrepreneurs, they can kind of figure out where their entrepreneurial journey started. Mine started years ago, but I actually didn't even realize that I was going to be an entrepreneur. It was actually when I was around 9, 10. I knew that I was meant to do something, but I didn't know what. And uh, it took me a while to figure that out. And over the years, if you remember, places, uh, towns and villages and cities had internet cafes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We don't really need them now. But I was actually in an internet cafe back in, I think it was 2003, 2004. It could have been a bit later than that. But I found a website online. I was just searching the news. And I was actually, I found a website called themilliondollarhomepage.com. And this website had just one page with an image And what the guy was doing was selling pixels uh, of different spaces. And it was just pixels of logos, people's websites, and links back to them. And he sold uh, each pixel for a dollar each. So at the end of it, he basically made the million-dollar homepage. And I thought that was very interesting and very unique. And I I thought that, geez, you know, this is my first time realizing you could actually make money online uh, like Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. Back in 2003, that's... I think it was maybe 2005. Uh, I'm not too sure. 2005? Okay, perfect. So that's what the started the journey to be an entrepreneur and to do online sales. I think so, yes. Um, at the time, I didn't realize what I was actually doing. It was just... I went online when I got home and I started searching for uh, different things and how to actually make money online, building websites and so on. And... It was my sister, she came into the room where I was and she handed me a book and because she, she seen what I was doing. And for some reason she had this book, I'm not too sure why, but she gave me this book, it was called Four Hour Workweek, uh, a book that pretty much a lot of entrepreneurs can say that started their journey. Yeah, Tim Ferriss is the man, absolutely. There's no question about that. Absolutely, absolutely. So I read through that book and I just took it all in, you know, just swallowed it all up. So amazing information 
But a lot of the stuff nowadays, it's still relevant, but a lot of the stuff, like the way he tested products with ads, you, you can kind of still do that, but not as, not as well as he, you could back then. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what the book really taught was a mindset that mm -hmm. um, a lot of people didn't even think was possible, especially with automation. And, you know, a lot of people think that the more hours they spend working, the better off they are, where Tim Ferriss's philosophy is. And I've, I've watched many interviews with him is they'll ask him, like, what does your day look like? What is your what is your week look like? And he said, you would not want to follow me around on my day. Mostly I sit around the house in my pajamas, maybe I go for a walk, I meditate, I do a bit of yoga, then I sit for a little bit more, then I might write some notes, and then I'll sit around and I'll think. He just basically prepares himself for that one big idea, that one big domino that he can knock down and help people with. Yeah. And, you know, he might do nothing for an entire month, but just focus on that one thing. When he finds it, then he goes full steam into it. A lot mm -hmm. of people believe that if you, you know, you do 10 different projects and you're working 100 hours a week and this is what it's going to take to be successful. And I think with four-hour work week, as you mentioned, was quite contrarian to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in saying that, with the four-hour work week, like what you're saying with Tim, he takes like a pretty much a, a month to think about what he's doing, and then he puts in the work. You know, like uh, Pat Flynn says, you know, put in the work now and reap the benefits later. Absolutely, that's, that's kind of what Tim does, and I think everyone else should be focusing on that kind of path as well. Put in the work now, work hard, and you'll get there. I believe you. Yeah. So, what are you working on at the moment then? So, I'm, at the moment, I'm probably doing way too many things at once. You know? <laughs> At the moment, I'm basically trying to build up my social media presence and pretty much all the main social media networks uh, like Twitter, Facebook, my Facebook group, my Medium, Quora, and um, a few others, which, which I've all listed on my website that I'm all collected to anyway. But I'm also writing a book at the moment, and the book is all about, it's pretty much about myself and how I started and where I'm going. And then it goes into how to actually start and create your own community and how to build it up um, by detail, you know, how to actually create it and how to connect with people and how to keep it active and, you know, how to get people to actually love what you're doing. That's a very interesting concept because I've been part of your private Facebook group for several months now and and I'm, I'm probably on i don't know about 20 different groups but i'd say one of yours is one of the most engaging groups well, for entrepreneurs on the internet it's not the largest and that's good i would rather have one which is at a decent size but the quality of the members is really good and the engagement and the support that you get from the people is really top notch yes you know quality over uh quantity as they say exactly and you know like there's some amazing people there that actually there's a lot of successful people there like like yourself michael and there's a lot of people that are just starting and it's great to have that kind of divide because you know the people that have become successful they're actually sharing information and stuff that can actually help the the starter and bring them to the next level because it's all about we're all entrepreneurs we're all in the same game we all we all want to become successful in some way or another and you know if we follow the paths of other people that have become or even just a few steps ahead of us we can get there and it's all about just helping others you know Absolutely. Just like Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. And I really believe this. Exactly. You don't need to reinvent the wheel a lot of times. You can look at and model what mm -hmm. successful people have done in the past and follow their steps. You don't need to do everything on your own. So the 
community that you've created on Facebook in the private group, Financial Freedom Forever. If anybody wants to look that up, I highly encourage you. They can actually go to financialfreedomforever.org and I have a landing page there that can actually they'll have to sign up. It's free to sign up. They can just get to the group that way. It's just, it provides them with questions just to see if they, they want to learn this kind of information to see if this is the right kind of community for them and it leads straight to the group then. Excellent. And so do you think that's one of your secrets to keeping the group at a very high level of interaction and quality? Well, I think, you know, trying to grow a group like that, like Financial Freedom Forever, it's about targeting the right type of people that you want in your group, in your community. Because if I had people that were interested in not entrepreneurship, but let's say basketball or something like that, they wouldn't be the right type of people there. So it's all about trying to actually bring in the people that want to learn what you're teaching or what you're sharing or what other people are sharing. Um, like for myself, there's no point in me joining a group having to do with basketball because I, I wouldn't have any interest, you know, compared to entrepreneurship, which I love. Absolutely. But like going back to some of the other groups that are on Facebook that are also entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. why is yours a higher caliber than those other groups. Those other groups have so much spammy messages on there and they don't provide the value that your group does. I really want to hone in on this. Yeah, well, that's one of the biggest, biggest problems is spam. And I think that, like, I have a pinned tab in my group. You know, it's, it's all about setting it up the right way so you can actually control, not really control, but kind of see what's coming in and kind of push out the bad stuff and keep the good stuff. Like, in my pinned tab, I have rules, you know, and I think rules are important for groups like this because I've seen groups that they've lost complete and utter track of themselves. They actually just are full of spam now and the content in these communities only have, they can have hundreds and thousands of followers, but the content only gets maybe one or two likes or mightn't get any engagement at all. Absolutely. And I think that at the moment I'm watching all the content myself. So if I see any spam, I get rid of it right away. And it's actually very difficult uh, for me to actually keep track of this. I actually, this is very interesting, last night I actually got a message saying, Daniel, what's up, this group, there's a bit of spam in it, how can we control it? And it's just about, I, I put up a post on the community saying, what can we do, you know? And I've got a lot of engagement over the last uh, 12 hours about it. I, what I asked was, I'm doing this myself, how can I actually stop people from posting spam? Can people help me report it? And some people have actually messaged me saying, I'll become an admin. Absolutely. So they could actually control the spam as well. If they see it popping up, they can get rid of it or report it to me. And I think it's all about just having the, the right content and just getting rid of the wrong content. That makes perfect sense to me. That's probably the hardest part of the job. <laughs> <laughs> but it is an important part because a lot of people will just look at a group and there might be 50,000 people on there. But when you start going through the feed and it's just individual posts, maybe one or two words and a link with zero engagement, zero comments, likes, anything like that. You just scroll through the whole thing and it's, and it's just people posting links to somewhere else. And they think that this is entrepreneurship. They think that this is marketing or this yeah. is sales or advertising. Like, I hate to break it to you guys, but that's not marketing. You know, that's not marketing. That's spam. And I'll tell you something very interesting, actually. At the start, and even now, I'm, I do message some people telling them, this is spam, please don't have it in the group, here are the rules, have a read, check them out. And people have actually got back to me and said, I apologize for doing this, you know, I'm only new and this is what I think that is 
uh, entrepreneurship. They think that sharing links to affiliate links is the right way to do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will say, Mikkel, it does work for some people, but it doesn't work most of the time because it's just no one's interested in spam there. You know, it looks like spam. It's like, here's my number. This is how you can become rich. It's, It's the wrong way of doing it. You need to provide value. I get private messages all the time from people like, do you want the secrets to being rich? I'm like, <laughs> uh, nah, man, I'm cool. Yeah. I like, cheers. I'm selective of the information that I take in because it's, it's not a lack of information out in the world. There's free information everywhere you would go. It's about knowing the person that the information is coming from and then trusting them. I have people that I you know pay 5000 or $10,000 for their training programs or their coaching and you know you won't even be able to get me to open up an ebook from somebody else for free no you know and it, and the difference really is that i have an existing relationship that they've taken the time to build that up and i know that person i might only know them as in they're an author or they're a thought leader online but i trust them and and i like them so i think that a lot of people need to understand that these steps need to be made first exactly so I'm curious, with the social media presence, where do you want to take your goals in the future? Like, where are you moving towards? Where am I moving towards? Well, it's very interesting about goals because, you know, it's like when you first start, goals are just about money. You know, when you are when you are in entrepreneurship, you focus on, right, I need money, so this is what I'm going to do. And that's what, that's what we were talking about before, about people spamming. That's what they think that their goals are, but they change over time. You know, like when I first started, I thought that it was about that, you know, make some money and you'll get there. But it was wrong because I wasn't getting anywhere. No one was interested. Mm. And So what did you do to change that mindset to put you on a better path? I think I failed many times over. <laughs> you know? Excellent. Many times over. What do you think about failure? Failure is very, very interesting. And, you know, I, I love failure. I love failing because it makes you work harder for the next jump. And, you know, when you do hit failure as well, the best thing to do is don't worry about it because everyone fails in life. Let's say, you know, when you're young, when you're born, when you're a baby, when you're trying to walk first or even talk, it takes time. You know, you just have to slow down, relax and think about, I can do this eventually. You know, maybe not right now, but I'm going to get there. And like walking for the first time, you fall four or five times, maybe more, and eventually you'll get up on your two feet and reach for the sky. Absolutely. What a wonderful analogy. I like that very much. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you would never say to a child, oh, you failed. That's... No, but people do actually say you failed when you're an adult. Absolutely. After failing once. Yeah. And I think it's very sad that people do that because I think that people are educated in such a way and I'm not putting anyone down here I'm just saying it's the way that education is worldwide we're all taught to be workers and I think that the enlightened people the people that have realized that there's a better way are actually teaching other people that there is a better way here take my hand and I'll take you to the next level and I think it has to be a self-realization to get there because if you don't believe you're in yourself you won't get anywhere. That's very insightful. And I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. 
So I kind of sidetracked you there. I was asking about your goals and then you, you said something that just really resonated with me. So I had to bring it up because failure really is one of my favorite topics, as I think my listeners will know. I try to always make sure that it's not just about glossy, perfect stories. I want to get a little bit deep onto how people mess things up. But I want to go back. So your goals for the future. So like I was saying, I started off making money and then like for myself, my goals changed from making money. And then it was... I started running and uh, exercising, and I, I thought that this was amazing. All I wanted to do was run worldwide, and that was my goal at the time, because goals change, and my goal was to run the world, you know, do every marathon, do every adventure race, and eventually do an Ironman. So that is one of my top goals, to do an Ironman eventually. Wow. And at the moment, I've actually kind of slowed down and doing that, but eventually I will be doing an Ironman. But then... You know, it changed again once I got married and once I started, uh, had a family. So it's, it's all about my family and how I can make their lives better, you know. Um, I want to provide for my family, like my parents and my sister who keeps me on my feet or my brother who motivates me to achieve more and my wife and child who want me to be, who help me to be a better person, better human being. But my ultimate goal is to make sure that they all live a good, healthy life. And then other than that, if I can make just one or two people in my community or anywhere, just achieve success, have the same types of goals as I have, the world would be such a much better place. Well, I believe you've already affected more than two people. <laughs> I think you're doing a very great job, so. I do see it as uh, very achievable to do this, and people are watching me, they're following my path, and you know, if they can, you know, even just be one step behind, they're, they're nearly there, you know. I'm, I'm not there yet, and I'll eventually get there, but... I know, I know my path. I can see it in front of me. And I think that that's the main thing, if people can actually see where they're going. Because, at the, like I found at the start, it was a mess. You know, looking this way, that way, what will I do? The shiny object. And, you know, once you figure out what your object is, just go for it. So speaking about failures... Can you give us an example of a time that you just absolutely fell on your face, you really messed things up, and maybe what you learned from that experience? My God, yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was maybe 2010, 2011. It was when I started running in 2010. And I was actually pretty much, I was overweight. I was around 18 stone, and I was very unhealthy. Tell us 18 stone in pounds or kilos or something we might know. Probably around 100 kg, I'd say. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I was very unhealthy, and I was a smoker as well, and I was just very unhealthy. So I, I just started running. I just decided one night I'll go for a run and ended up running for two hours that night, and I, I got hooked. So I started exercising, running, and it took me maybe around five months to actually do my first race. And when I did my first race, I thought it was the most amazing thing ever, you know, running with 300 people coming in the top 100s, even though I just pretty much only started. And I thought it was just amazing. And I went looking online to see could I actually find races. And there was only one or two places, but no apps as such. So I decided, well, it just kind of came to me one day, another two months later, it just popped into my head. Why don't I create my own? So that's what I did. I designed my own app. I was actually on holidays from my job for two weeks and I actually sat down on the table at home and drew out an app and, you know, figured out how it actually worked, where people were brought to when they clicked this or how it actually filled up with events. And I think that was one of the main problems because 
people had to upload the events themselves because I wanted to make it, you know, a worldwide event app for running uh, events. And people are lazy, you know, in general, and they won't actually take the time to actually upload events. You know, if it was done automatically from everywhere, they wouldn't mind. But if they had to do it here, there and everywhere, they wouldn't. So eventually I found developers to actually create this app for me, created it, cost me around five, six thousand euro, which would be around maybe six and a half thousand dollars. And uh, I was all excited, waiting for the app to be released so I could get thousands of downloads. All I could kept thinking of was maybe Facebook might ring me and try to purchase it off me. (laughs) But no, nothing like that happened. When it it went live, I got maybe around 10 downloads and it was like a desert. And I started uploading events myself onto the app. And it took me around maybe you know, uh, nine months to actually realize I, I had around 2,000 subscribers on the app and no one was uploading anything, maybe a few people, but it was very quiet. And I realized what I did wrong, but it took me a while to realize what I did wrong. It's because I didn't have a following to provide the app to. I was created for myself, but no one else knew about it. So if I had the audience to share it with, I would have. And I didn't know anything about marketing at the time. So I, and Facebook ads, I think, were not uh, out yet or I didn't know about them. So I didn't realize that I could actually share my app to thousands of followers or thousands of people. And that's, I think, the biggest failure I had because it cost me that much money and it cost me the time and the effort. But it taught me so many different things, how to do things online, how to actually create my own website, how to actually, you know, create a following eventually. And, you know, it taught me all the things that I did wrong. So you can think about it as a, a $7,000 course <laughs> on online oh, yeah. building or on what not to do. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's good. That's good. Big time. So from that, I know that because you now you spend a lot of time on social media. So you're building up that presence before mm-hmm. you release a new product. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And at the moment, my product is the book that I'm creating that actually share with my community, which I'll be giving out for free, just pay shipping. I'm just following the steps that other entrepreneurs are taking, you know, because I think that is one of the biggest points that people should take, you know, follow what people have done before and copy, but don't copy, if you know what I mean. Copying what they're doing, but changing the content. Yeah, absolutely. I think the official title that entrepreneurs seem to accept is model. Model, Model, yes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I, I say copy, but don't copy a lot. You know, maybe I should just say model. So when is your timeline for this book? How does your timeline look for the book? Well, I have it pretty much nearly completed. I just have to put it together, get the cover fixed for it. So I presume that it'd be ready before Christmas for my community. It's a self-published, I assume. Exactly, yes. Self-published and they'll be able to purchase it and get it delivered to them from... I'm actually using a website that's to actually create the book and put it together for me. You know, I just send them the, the copy and they put it together and send it to my audience. So like a drop shipping. Exactly. Yes. Cool. Excellent. That's quite interesting because I haven't worked in drop shipping whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I've always seen it on the sideline. It looks very interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to be dedicated when you do something like that. I don't think it's something you want to just brush on. Like if you want to do drop shipping then you should learn about dropshipping. Exactly. And that's what I did with the original onesies. I had to dropship myself. So when people's orders come in, you have to put in the work as well. You might get five or six orders in a day 
and then you actually have to do the orders yourself you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless you're actually making enough money to actually hire someone to actually do that for you so there's a lot of work in drop shipping at the start but it can be pretty good once it's all set up if you wanted to do drop shipping what's the thing that you need to know before you get started i think you need to know what your product is i think you need to know what you're selling because if you don't know why would anyone else if you have something to sell you have to know about it you have to be able to tell the the details of what you're actually doing. If you ever read what copywriters write about, they actually learn everything about the actual thing they're actually selling. Even though they probably didn't even touch it or feel it or see it, they actually learn everything about it before they actually write the copy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people that are dropshipping should do. But I think that they should see what they're selling dropshipping and they should feel it and touch it and know about it. That's what I did. I got my onesies. I knew what they were like. Because... I got a few different types of onesies when I ordered them to my house because that's what I did first. I actually ordered them in bulk to be shipped to my house. And then what I did was I went through them and I did find around 10 different quality onesies there. There were bad ones and there were good ones and with some torn. And I think that that's what people need to do as well. They need to check what they're doing, you know, because dropshippers, they can actually fabricate what they're actually selling in bits in different ways, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. If you ever listen to Scott Volker, he's an Amazon seller. I listen to his podcast, TheAmazingSeller.com, and it's pretty good. He actually gets his product delivered to himself, and he actually goes through at least 10 products before he actually ships it off to Amazon. And that's a good way of actually testing the product and see if it's always good because, you know, dropshippers can slack off as well. Yeah, because I've seen so many things online where it's just like, oh, you just outsource it to someone else. You just get something off of Alibaba or eBay or something mm-hmm. like that. You post it on Amazon and, and suddenly you're a millionaire. And that's like, I, I don't think that's quite how it works, you know? <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Yeah. We're just going to pause for a second on the interview because I want to tell you about this special resource that I have for you. It's called 19 International Strategies to Grow and Protect Your Wealth Abroad. It is a PDF downloadable report and you're going to find it at expatmoneyshow.com. Okay, why do I want to tell you about this? Well, it is an amazing resource for anyone out there who is looking to go offshore to become an expat, expat hopefuls. If you're looking at immigration or plan B residencies or any of these types of things that we talk about on the show, this really condenses the information into really easy to understand. And then from there, it gives you all the resources, links to the additional resources or who you can work with, the professionals involved in this. So I've had some amazing feedback on this and I want to give it to you free, 100% free. All you need to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com and at the very top of the page, you will see the special report. You can sign up. There's no credit card needed. There's no nothing like that. I just want you to have this resource because I think it's really important and I think it's going to really serve you well. So enjoy. Go to expatmoneyshow.com, download your free special report, and let's jump back into today's interview. So we've talked about your social media presence and we've talked about your drop shipping. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've also worked with domain names as a business. Do I have that right? You have, yeah. I actually started domaining actually after my app failed. So explain to me what domaining is. This is completely new to me. It's called a top level domain, a TLD. And the, a domain name is the name of, let's say, your website or, um, you know, the likes of Facebook.com is a, a domain name. Yeah, absolutely. 
And domains actually are like property, but online. And you can actually buy and sell them like you can with any type of property. And, you know, it, it took me a while to figure out how to actually learn about domain names. But I found a website called namepros.com. And it's, there's great examples there. There's loads of people, huge community of nearly a million people now. And, you know, you can ask questions there. They tell you that, that's actually, that's pretty funny. The community on NamePros kind of gave me the idea to create my own community uh-huh. uh, with Financial Freedom Forever because, you know, the community there was so good and so helpful that I thought maybe that, you know, I want to do the same thing, but in a different way. But with the NamePros, I learned so much there and I learned that you can actually buy domain names off the likes of GoDaddy.com where people usually purchase their names anyway for their own websites. Yeah, because I, I own probably a half a dozen domains for my business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I go to GoDaddy, I pay $7 or something like that. Yeah. How does this turn into a business for you? Well, there's sometimes if you own, let's say, no, if you bought, we'll say, I just see it there in front of me, my own name, DanielMaxweeney.com. That is only worth as much as what I'm going to pay for it because it's my name. and But if someone else owned it, if I really wanted my name, I'll pay for it. And I can actually contact the person that owns it through, it's called whois.is. And you can find emails there to contact the person that actually owns the name. But my name is only worth as much as what I'm going to pay for it, or another Daniel Maxweeney. But let's say if you own the name, let's say like a business or entrepreneur, them type of names are going to be expensive. Or how about uh, sumo.com? Well, uh, that actually sold for, was it a million? Yeah, 1.5. Yeah, 1.5 million. So sumo.com, that's very interesting because it started off, he wasn't going to pay for that right away because it was pretty expensive. But he took his time to actually build his business before he actually purchased it because uh, it was only going to get more expensive because like what I was saying about my name, it's only worked as much as what he was going to pay for sumo.com. And that was 1.5 million. Absolutely. When you become a famous best-selling author, if someone else owned that name, your name as a domain name, perhaps maybe you would pay a premium to get it off of them. Oh, yes. Actually, there is one entrepreneur out there that I know that purchased his own name for his own website, and that was Mike Dillard. He actually didn't own his name at first, and he actually had to purchase it. I think he paid around five to 12000 somewhere around there, dollars. Oh, wow. Let me see if I get this straight. So you mm-hmm. go to somewhere like GoDaddy mm-hmm. and you purchase the domain name straight from GoDaddy. And then in the future, months or a year later, someone wants that domain name and they would find you. They would get a hold of you from who.is. Mm-hmm. And then you would charge them a premium to release that domain name to them. Do I have that correct? You have that correct. But the thing about purchasing fresh domain names is that... They haven't been bought yet. No one wants them because they're only new. But if you if you want names that are older, there's actually different places that you go and look for expired domain names, you know, that have actually age on them. So let's say if I wanted to search for names that were purchased in 98 or even 2000, you can go to different places, the likes of Namejet or the best place that I'd go to is expireddomains.net. And when you go to that place, you can actually see names that are in auction are actually just expired and you can purchase them names at either, you know, a cheap price like $5, but you'd actually have to pay the renewal fee as well, which would be like $15 to $19. You'd be paying nearly $30 for a name that's expired. Or 
you could purchase premium expired domain names. So let's say if I had, let's say business.com, I let it drop and everyone can bid in it then on expired auctions, which would be either on Namejet or GoDaddy. And there's another couple of places as well that you can go and look for expired names. So if one of the listeners found this really interesting and they wanted to get into something like this, what type of money would they need to begin this process? Well, only a couple of hundred dollars. Not much. There's actually a website called flippa.com and names go up there for sale as well in auction. And sometimes there's actually pretty good names. I picked up a name there recently that I purchased. It's a two-word domain name. Shorter names are worth a lot more, but shorter names you'd be paying money for. So let's say, sorry, no, I'm just going to sidetrack here. Yeah. Two years ago, when I just started domain names, it's a pity I didn't start it a couple of months later because there was actually a real surge on four-letter domain names. But with the four-letter domain names, some were worth more than others. They started off at $79, maybe, in September of that year. And by December, you couldn't purchase any four-letter domain name for anything less than $500. And some of them were going for 1000 to 10000 and even more a couple of months later. But now they've kind of settled back. They're selling for... You'd, you'd buy a bad four-name, four-letter word name for around $300, maybe maybe a small bit less than that now. But it was the Chinese, they were getting into domain names and they were buying up all the short names because, you know, their t- top-level domains, TLDs, are hard to understand. So what they were doing was purchasing English letter domain names to actually send people from the Western world to their websites, if you know what I'm saying. Aha, uh-huh. so it could literally be like any combination of four letters. Yeah, yeah, but with the Chinese, they didn't like letters like V or U, I think, and W, you know, vowels. <laughs> you know? So it was only certain <laughs> letters. Yes, yes, and the more sense they made, the better, because the Westerners would be trying to pay for them as well. And even numbers at the moment, numbers are amazing. For example, I purchased a number. It was a neat number domain name. It was 88888831, right? Okay. I purchased this domain name. On, you can purchase them on... You know that eight is very auspicious in Chinese culture. Oh, it right? is. And the shorter domain name mm-hmm. with eights in it, the better. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they don't like fours either. <laughs> so you kind of got to make sure that there's no fours. And I think ones as well. But my name, I bought... I bought off this domainer on NamePros. I bought it for $14. And within a space of two months, this domainer got back to me. He private messaged me and said, listen, I want to buy that name off you again. Uh, $300. He paid for it. So It's a pretty good return on investment. Great return. And that day, I went away. I used that $300 to purchase two other domain names, two other numbered domain names. So I purchased six letters, or six numbers, sorry. And uh, But these numbers had fours in them, and I purchased the two of them for $36, and I sold them both together for around, I think it was a 150 I think. So I made a bit of return on that as well. Excellent. So you need to do this quite a few times yes. to really make up serious money. But it, it sounds like mm-hmm. a, a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, actually. I actually wrote a free ebook about it as well, and another free ebook as well to share resources. I can put that in the show notes if anyone wants to find out more information about that. So Daniel, like, what are some of the skills that you have found that have been most beneficial to you? 
the skills that are most beneficial to me, I, I've taken from reading lots of books and the skills are the likes of copywriting. And I think that that is one of the main skills that everyone should know about because copywriting is very important to get messages across. And I think that's if you're starting out doing anything online, I think copywriting is one of the main factors that you should be aiming for because, you know, you can know everything about a product or something you're selling, but if you don't have good copy, you're not going to sell it. And I think that's one of the major factors that I've, uh, that I've learned. So briefly explain to us what is copywriting? What is copy? Copywriting is like, it's the art of writing and telling a story to actually sell something. I, I think when you're writing copywriting, you have to tell a story and you actually have to put your, your head in the story and write it as if you're not even thinking about it. It has to be like a one-on-one conversation with the actual person that's reading it. So let's just pretend that the person isn't reading at all. You're at, they're actually sitting there, standing there right in front of you. And you have to tell the story and how great this actual thing is that you're selling and how it'll benefit them. I think that reading copywriting and understanding, you know, where to put different things like uh, your full stops, you know, your spaces, paragraphs, bullet points. Um, copywriting, you can even do it like in podcasting as well, or even in speech like, like we're doing now, talking. That's kind of copywriting as well, but in vocal form. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that it's very important to understand. So would it include any of the images or any video or any scripts or things like that? You could, but it doesn't really matter with video or images in your copy. But it's all about storytelling. So if you can tell a story and even add the images and add videos in your story, that's even better. But you can kind of entice the person to actually purchase what you're selling them. So basically the most efficient way of getting information from your brain into my brain. Exactly. Excellent. And copywriting is one of the best ways of doing that. I, I think so. It sounds like it. So who are some of the copywriters that you enjoy? Some of the copywriters that I enjoy would be the likes of Ryan Levesque. He was one of the first people that I've read about that was talking about copywriting. And then I found Mike Dillard. And Mike Dillard, is, he's a very interesting copywriter. And from him... I went to Ramit Sethi, and if, if you're a follower of Ramit Sethi, he has amazing copy. If you follow his emails, he sends out emails every once or twice a week. He was doing it every day there for a while, and his copy is very interesting, and it makes you want to actually purchase what he has to give. You know, even I feel like I want this, you know, and I think that's, that's the main thing when you're writing copy. You want people not to just want it, but need it. You know, and he makes you want, he makes you need the actual thing he's selling. So with your ebook, I expect to see some really good copy on your page then. I'm going to be looking out for that. Okay, Daniel. <laughs> oh, you're putting me under pressure now. <laughs> yeah. And l- listen, I- I'm not a great copywriter. I'm only new to copywriting in a sense, you know, even though I've been reading about it and actually testing copy myself. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's, it's like everything, you have to test and try and see what works, see what doesn't. 
Well, I've got some good book recommendations for you. I'm just about to finish, probably tonight, is David Ogilvie. He's a very classic copywriter from, I think, from the 60s. And he wrote a book called Confessions of an Ad Man. Oh, yeah? And it's what the show Mad Men is actually based on. It's based on this, this gentleman. And it, it's quite interesting. So I would definitely recommend that one. And I'll put the links to that book in there. So that's good. So we've got some of the new stuff and then mixed with some of the classic stuff as well. So Dan, when you and your wife have children, what do you think some of the skills that they're going to need in their lifetime, say in 20 years when they grow up? I think that skills that my kids would want to have in the next 20 years is pretty much the same kind of skills as we all have now. And that is communication, I think. We need community, we need to connect with each other because we can share information and mindset and, you know, future ideas and even past ideas so we can correct them. I think that, you know, like I can't see into the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do, I do feel and I am passionate about you have to have experience and to have awareness. Even with Quiva, my wife's child today, I tell her, you know, you have to experience things. And, I, you know, I, there's no point in teaching them when they're young too much because kids need to be kids as well. And they, they do need that experience as they're growing older. If they see what you're doing and they see what other people are doing, if that's what they want, they can go there. If they don't want that, they don't have to go there. But I do believe that people should know about in 20 years is the belief in themselves and their value and their respect for other people. So always bringing things back to the, the core things, exactly. uh, communication, values, integrity, opposed to, because sometimes when I ask this question, people will be talking about technologies or programming or these really perhaps future things, but you believe it's more advantageous for them to really bring things back to the core beliefs. Do I have that right? Yeah, you have that exactly right. Communication, because things are going to change so much in the next 20 years, it's going to be frightening. It's going to be virtual reality. It's going to be like, like Gary Vee says, it's going to be in our eyes. But I think that we need to communicate because that's the way it's going to go. It's all communication that we're doing. And that's, that's what's making money as well online. It's communication. It's connecting with each other. It's not the actual technology itself. It's us. We're connecting with each other. It was done for hundreds of years, thousands of years, connecting with each other to sell something. And in the future, that's what we'll need as well. We'll need exactly the same set of rules that we've been following for thousands of years. It makes perfect sense to me. I think that a lot of times we get so far ahead of us that we forget the fundamentals. Yes. I also think that because so many people have so much online presence, when they actually go to meet someone in person, they don't have those interpersonal skills. They don't know how to talk to someone, to how to communicate, body language, things like this. And it's people who can actually do things at the very base level, but do them extraordinary, that often really impress us. Exactly. So Daniel, I know you're a lifelong learner, same as me. What are some of the books that you would often recommend people to purchase or to read? Well, my own book, when, when it's released, no, I'm only kidding. It's, it's funny because I was thinking about this question a couple of weeks ago. What kind of books, you know, that are actually worthwhile reading that can actually change people's perspectives and, and their lives? And for me, it was an actual, it wasn't a business book. It was actually a fantasy book called The Wizard's First Rule by Terry Goodkind. And it actually taught me many things, but one thing in particular, and that is the wizard's rule in the book, that people will believe anything. And it's actually true, you know, 
if you, you can see it online every day and you can even see it in reality in the real world every day you can tell a story and people will believe it until they actually research the facts and I think that's one of the main important things that people know about is to, is to figure out what the facts are before they actually believe what they're being told and that left an impression on me um, so the stories in that and the values that I learned in that book have made me a better person but as for business books the one that really changed my life would be The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss or even Russell Brunson's book Dotcom Secrets I know his book Expert Secrets is pretty good as well great information great copy great storytelling and great examples yeah I think that examples in books are highly underrated when it's put in the story format and when they've given a real life example, I can really picture myself doing it or putting myself there and I can imagine, is this something I would want to do? Is this something I could do? Opposed to just, say, listing out things in a bullet point, fact, 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 mm-hmm. that doesn't translate well in, in my brain. So I think it's interesting that you bring up storytelling and copywriting in our previous discussion. The book I'm reading at the moment, The 12-Month Millionaire, it's, I actually got it off a friend of mine who actually got the book off a friend of his. And it was actually sold by Russell Brunson a couple of years ago before he got into the dot-com secrets as a big package. And that book at the moment is very interesting to learn and to know about. It, it actually goes into the detail about, you know, letter, selling products and selling information through letters. It's pretty much the same as selling with email, but selling... Yeah, from direct response. Exactly. I think that I saw him offering this book as a bonus for the Two Comma Coaching Club. Oh. One of his high-end products, I think he was offering that as a bonus because it might be, it might be that one, it might be another one. I'll, I'll have to check my facts. Yeah. But yeah, Russell Brunson is amazing, though. Amazing. Brilliant. All his recommendations are fantastic. The people that he's gotten his coaching from and his own products, his own business and books are wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm like so happy that I actually found the likes of Russell Brunson. And uh, it's funny actually when you're when you're talking about the likes of Russell Russell there. It's funny the way when you first start and you find an influencer that influencer leads you to influencer and so on. The likes, you know, for myself when I started, you know, it was Tim Ferriss and then it went on to podcast. So I started listening to Pat Flynn, and Pat Flynn had loads of different people. And through Path In, I found the likes of Remy Tseti, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Mike Dillard. And it was through Mike Dillard that I found Russell. And it's actually amazing what you learn off each and, diff- each and every different influencer. And they all do totally different things. Absolutely. They're all like pieces of a giant puzzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Giant puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I came to Russell Brunson directly from Tony Robbins. Oh, yeah. And I had seen an interview where Tony Robbins was speaking to Russell Brunson. And like three days later, I had to search through Tony Robbins' Facebook feed for like 20 minutes to find the same interview so I could find out who this guy was because he had left this seed in my brain that kind of germinated and I had to go back and find it. And now, Russell Brunson has about $10,000 of my money, so <laughs> in different courses and products that I bought yeah. over, the, over the last year. It's amazing. You know, he's just like, he's left a big impact in a lot of people's lives. You know, that's what I'm trying to do as well. I'm trying to create that big impact for other people's lives as well, because, you know, it's all about sharing. And, Absolutely. Uh, Pay it forwards. Exactly. You know, helping people. On the same topic then, how much money mm-hmm. do you spend on 
either say money or time that you spend on self-improvement every year? Well, money-wise, uh, it's funny. I actually don't really purchase any courses and I just purchase books. I like to read, so I'd read the books and I take all the information off the books. Uh, YouTube is fantastic for finding anything you want to learn about. Uh, it's all there for free. But, you know, think about, you know, when you want to learn something in a structured way, you purchase a course. But I do spend a lot of time learning, reading and trying to understand what people are trying to share. Maybe I might not get it the first time I read it so I, or watch it. So I go back and I read it and watch it and listen to it again. I think that it's, it's a lot of time I do put in. I do put in, you know, I put in pretty much every hour of every day into what I'm doing learning, writing, because I do like to write my own content. And when I do write my content, I have loads of content that I have not released, but I, I like to write it. So I'm actually getting the information that's in my head that I've learned from other places and putting it together into a big informational product. No, well, not a product. So, so I can actually come back and look at it again and understand it myself, mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying. And also getting it out of your head probably clears up a little bit of space. You don't exactly. need to worry about holding on to it that you might lose it you know exactly where it is when you need to go back for it i find like i'm a disaster for that you know like with some books you can actually write down notes and uh, you know copy quotes and stuff like that i actually don't do any of that i try to keep it all in my head because you know if you do have to look back over stuff you can get confused and lost and trying to figure out what it said what it meant is very difficult but if you just save the actual whole piece the information itself, like the book, you can just scroll back over the book and read it anyway. So Daniel, what are some of the ways that you would stay focused or stay organized with all your writing and all the projects that you have on the go? So the way I'd stay focused and organized, well, first of all, it's all about organization because organization is the key to everything. If you're organized, you'll, you'll be able to figure out what to do next. So like if you ever had a look at my website, it's just all tabs. It's all folders full of tabs. And I have different folders for different things. So with copywriting, websites and Shopify and so on, stuff I'm learning about, stuff I'm doing next. Uh, and even on Facebook, it's great as well because on Facebook, there's actually a save button where you can save posts and save ads, we'll say, because you can actually come back in and look at them later and just reread of what you've read or watch what you've uh, seen, you know, so you can actually take in that information to share it out, like I do, share it out to my community, what I've learned. So. On my phone, I use an app, and the app is called Weirdsmith. It's spelled W-E-R-D-S-M-I-T-H. And that is an app for writing. And it's actually a writing app. Uh, it's a paid app. Uh, you can actually use it for free. You can write around five posts for free on it. Uh, but it's actually, I think, around $2.99 and to purchase the app. But I think it's one of the best apps that's out there that you can actually write what you've learned. So let's say when I learn something, I write down a header of what that thing is. And then I write it into my own words onto the, the text on the app. So I can come back later and actually understand it myself and see it again. And that's what I kind of do to stay organized. Other, other than that, I think, you know, everything can just pile up into a big heap and you can kind of forget what you're doing. I just think organization is the key. You need to write down stuff on paper as well also. And just have a little diary. You know, you have this thing there, that thing 
say if they're, you know. Mm -hmm. Once again, taking things back to the basics. But I really like that. That app sounds interesting. I think as soon as I get off of the call with you, I'm going to go and find this myself because I think that will actually yes. solve some of my organizational problems. So I'm, <laughs> I'm very curious. Uh, I, I actually use that app every day to write stuff as well. So let's say if I'm writing new content, I'm actually, I actually go for a walk so I can actually get away from the computer and actually I don't have to use uh, any computer websites the likes of Word doc or anything because Word doc I find very messy at times to use. So I'd, I'd use this Weirdsmith app and I'd go walking and I'd actually write down new posts and new, new content for my community or even new blog posts for Medium. Very cool, very cool. Okay, so Daniel, I come over to Killarney in Ireland, and, and we go to the pub, and, and we're sitting there, and we're having a, a big pint of Guinness, and there's lots of people around, and it's really noisy, and I lean in, and I'm like, okay, Daniel, what is the number one secret to business? That if, if, if I told anyone, you'd have to kill me. What's that number one secret for you? <laughs> well, Mikael, it's very funny you say that, because there is no secret. If, if you really want to see it as a secret, it's hard work. You have to put in the work. That's all it is. It's just hard work. Don't put in the work, you won't get there. So you need to study, take courses, read, educate yourself in your free time. As my father said, education is the most important thing. So, you know, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos. That's the secret, that there is no secret. It's just hard work. Sounds good to me. I think that's a perfect ending to a really fantastic podcast, a really great episode. Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. If our listeners want to get a hold of you, where can they reach out to you at? Thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, it was really great to be on your podcast. If people want to reach me, they can reach me on my website, uh, danielmaxweeney.com. And from there, they can find the Financial Freedom Forever community. And they'll also be able to find my book when it's released on that website also. And find me on all the social networks that I'm part of. Excellent. I'm definitely looking forward to reading the book myself, and I'll see you in Financial Freedom Forever. Thanks, Michael. It was great to be here. Hey, everyone. I just want to tell you about a great opportunity. You see, we've had a massive interest lately in learning a second language, and I do a lot of my language training with my very good friend, Ollie Richard. We've been friends for three or four years now, and he's been on my program, and I've been on his program, and he spoke at my conferences, and I've spoke at his conferences, and he really is a genius. His techniques for teaching languages are just out of this world. He actually makes it fun and enjoyable. He was one of the main drivers for me rekindling my interest in Spanish. And under his tutelage and his advice and using his programs, I went from really crummy Spanish to quite fluent in a really short amount of time. So if you are looking to learn a second language or maybe even a third language, what I want you to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language forward slash language, and it's going to redirect you to some of Ollie's best courses out there in the world. And there's some special promotions going on, some special opportunities for subscribers of my podcast. So I hope you take us up on this offer and go and check it out. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language to get the best resources in the world for learning a second language. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, 
Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.